morning. It's good to be with you this morning. My name's Adam Romans. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and it's an honor to be able to celebrate Easter with you in this way. And if you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John and to the 20th and the 21st chapter. Uh, the Gospel of John can be found on page 906 and 907 in the Blue Pew Bible. That looks a little bit like this. And um, you, you'll be relieved to know we won't be reading all of the verses from these uh, two chapters, but rather we're going to look at three episodes of a resurrected Jesus and how Jesus interacted uh, with three very different people. Uh, one will be Mary, the friend of Jesus. The second will be Thomas, a disciple of Jesus. And the third uh, will be Peter. We won't take the time to read all of the verses just now, but we'll read the verses as we get to each episode. You know, it's hard for a week to go by where we do not hear, hear about supply chain issues whereby uh, there is a lack of materials, food, supplies, and everything else that makes our life enjoyable. But what there is no shortage of at this particular moment in human history is bad news. All we have to do is turn on the news and we are overwhelmed with everything uh, that is going wrong. This past week, we learned of a horrific shooting that took place in the subway of New York. There are, of course, the continuing devastating uh, pictures that come out of Ukraine and all that is taking place there. I'd assume that you heard the news this past week that inflation is at a rate that has not yet been experienced in our generation. Now, in pointing out all of this bad news to you, I'm not attempting to make you depressed or discouraged as you leave here especially after such wonderful music and the children singing and the testimonies. I'm simply pressing upon all of us this morning the fact that our world and indeed our personal lives are in need of some good news. And this morning I am prepared to share with you some really good news. Jesus has risen from the dead. And this is particularly good news to those of us who will feel like Mary, who, is, who, who might feel a little bit sad and experiencing heartbreak. This is good news for those of us who find ourselves like Thomas and question this whole idea of resurrection. And this is good news for those of us who are like Peter and feel guilt and shame. So this morning, as we make our way through these verses, I want to share with you the good news of a resurrected Savior and how this resurrected Savior changed the lives of three very different people. I have three headings. The first is Mary the Mourner. Mary the Mourner. We get that from John chapter 20. And if your Bible is open, I'll begin reading in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there, uh, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know, what it, she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the master gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. We'll stop right there. Now these opening uh, verses that I've just read communicate one thing very clearly, and that is that Mary is a mourner. 
She is literally standing outside the tomb of a close friend, and she is weeping. And the vision that we are meant to see in our mind's eye is not a, a lady who is, who is just dabbing her eyes because her eyes are welled up with tears, but someone who is actually sobbing, perhaps not everywhere. Her entire arm sleeve is wet from everything she's had to wipe away from her face. She is a mourner at this particular moment. Her whole world is turned upside down. She's having a hard time making sense of things. The truth of the matter is, is that Mary Magdalene, the, the friend of Jesus, she witnessed some, some major trauma just a few days earlier, whereby her friend Jesus was crucified on a cross. And as she witnessed that, of course, it would have broke her heart. And now she has come as soon as she possibly can to, to the graveside of Jesus. She's in a modern-day cemetery. And when she so shows up to the modern-day cemetery, she realizes something is wrong. The, tomb that would, the, the, the stone that would close this tomb, the tomb is now missing. And, and as she's looking in, she realizes the body of Jesus is gone. This is trauma upon trauma. Her heartbreak is evident because she cannot make sense of what's going on. She begins to talk to an angel in, in, in verse 13, and they ask her, why are you weeping? And, and you would think if it, was, if it was us and we were interacting with this heavenly being, we would say something like, what do you know that I don't know? But Mary is so overwhelmed in her grief, she, she can't even realize that she's talking to angels. And then you go down and you realize she is actually in the presence of Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Why? Because she is mourning. She is sad. She's in that place that many of us have been before where you can't seem to make sense of anything. Grief is a common but hopefully infrequent experience that we will have in this life, but the experts are suggesting that as we come out of the COVID pandemic, we're actually going to be entering into a new phase called the grief pandemic. And the experts are saying we'll be in this grief pandemic for several years. The experts have suggested that nearly 10 million Americans woke up this morning in mourning because a loved one has passed away from COVID the past couple of years. This will include in the neighborhood of 100,000 children who are mourning because they lost a parent to the disease. And that's just COVID-related deaths. Friends, this is a very grief-stricken time in human history. And I am guessing, uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say that in a room like this, there's probably many of us who are also experiencing some form of grief for some reason, for however long. And if that is you, my friend, I want you to know you are not alone. While the answers to grief and loss might be very complicated and take a long time, I want you to consider the work of the resurrected Jesus in the life of Mary the mourner. Look what happens in verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus calls this uh, friend by name, and she turned to him, and in Aramaic she says, Rabbani, which means teacher, and, and they embrace, and we can assume that this was a long embrace, because in verse 17, Jesus essentially says, get off me, although he probably said it much nicer than me, when he says, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go and tell my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples that she had seen the Lord. 
Now, in pointing this out to you, uh, every, uh, my dear friends, I want you to know where Jesus is in the grief of Mary. He is right there with her. He is right there with those uh, who are mourning on this particular day. He is with her in her sorrow in a unique way. Jesus is with her in her heartache. And my friend, you this morning might be experiencing a grief, a heartbreak, something, uh, some form of a loss, and I want to encourage you to look to Jesus who invites you to come unto him, and in some way, as you give to him your grief, he gives to you his rest. As we come to a resurrected Jesus and invite him into our sorrows and grief, it does not mean that all of our tears are gone. It does not mean that life is going to get back to normal. It does not mean that that we are going to to have everything back to hunky-dory and everything will be fine. But what I do mean to say is that the Lord Jesus, he knows your pain. The Lord Jesus, who's resurrected, understands the mourning. And his presence brings comfort and peace. So if you are like Mary this morning and you're feeling a sense of mourning, I want to encourage you to ask Jesus to be present in your pain and to experience the comfort that only a resurrected Savior can give. The second character, the second episode that I want to draw your attention to has to do with Thomas. First we had Mary the mourner, and now we have Thomas the doubter. If you allow your eye to go to verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Here is Thomas the doubter. Basically what had happened was uh, years before, Jesus called to himself 12 uh, people who would be his disciples. And these disciples would follow Jesus around for the duration of several years, and they would witness many things. And and Jesus has a group of disciples, and and one of them would eventually betray him, and then uh, Jesus would die, he would resurrect, and ten of the disciples were there. They witnessed the resurrection. They interacted with the resurrected Christ, but one person was not there. And that one person's name was Thomas. And what Thomas says when he gets together with the discipleship band is that that he doesn't believe what they are saying. This is simply too hard for him to comprehend. Too hard for him to accept, I should say. Maybe you're not like Mary and you don't quite understand the process of mourning. And maybe you're more like Thomas. And as we gather today and we sing about a resurrected Savior, this all feels a little strange. Quite frankly, it feels a little bit unbelievable. I think in a nod to the authenticity of the Gospels and in a nod to the authenticity of the Scripture, we find this incredibly honest moment when Jesus' disciple, one of his closest companions in, uh, while Jesus was on earth, simply says, I, I don't believe this. I don't believe this resurrection talk. I wonder if it could be said of Thomas to steal a buzzword from the modern-day spiritual world, I wonder if Thomas is the first to ever experience a deconstructing of his faith, whereby everything he thought was the truth actually 
went out the door. The truth of the matter is that there were a lot of people in Jesus' day who expected him uh, to not only come into Jerusalem in the way that he did, in the way in which we celebrated on Palm Sunday, but they didn't expect Jesus to go to the temple. They expected him to go to the crown, whereby he would be enthroned and he would rule Rome. Uh, he would roam Jerusalem in the place of Rome. But that didn't happen. Instead of Jesus taking up a crown, he dies on a cross. Maybe this was too hard for Thomas. He just couldn't believe any talk of a resurrection because Jesus in some way had let him down. Bear in mind also that Thomas had left everything behind in order to follow after Jesus. He left his family. He left his friends. He left his identity, his work. It all, he left it all. And here, is, uh, here it is that, that Thomas is talking with the other disciples, and he says, listen, I don't believe. You're born, you die, you live, it's over. Perhaps he didn't believe that there's life after death, that, and any talk of this resurrection was completely absurd. But notice what happens in verse 26. Eight days later, Jesus' disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hand, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. You know, sometimes Christianity gets a, a, a bad rap in the sense that uh, the, the church is not a place for people who doubt or have questions about the faith. But on this occasion, Jesus turns that all upside down on its head. As he enters into a room full of people, he knows there is one in that room who is struggling mightily with faith. And what Jesus does when he comes into the room is he says, peace. He brings a greeting of, pre, of, of peace. And know what he doesn't do. Jesus doesn't say, okay, Thomas, come over here and bend over my knee. There's a little punishment you need to take because the resurrection is real. No, G Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus looks at, at, at his friend Thomas and he says, here's my hands. Feel the scars of love. Put your hand in my side. It's, it's a little tender yet, but put your hand in my side. And he looks Thomas right in the eyes, and he says to him, don't disbelieve, believe. Thomas was a seeing-is-believing type of person, and it reminds me of a, a letter that I received from a friend back in November. And, and, and the letter said this, I've been telling my mo mother for years that if and when I come to know God on a personal level, it'll be on my own terms. She has struggled mightily with this, repeatedly disregarding my wishes for her to stop sending me articles in literature regarding Jesus and the faith. I love his mother, by the way. We maintain a loving relationship. However, I do know it's her number one worry in this world. He said, Adam, I enjoy learning about different religions. However, I have never felt a personal connection to God. And I'm very much a see, touch, and feel kind of person. If it doesn't happen before my eyes, I do, I do not typically buy in to believing something. And what I said to my friend is, hey, when we get together, your mom has given me some material to give to you about Jesus. <laughs> Just kidding. But what I said is like, I said to him, I said to this individual, you're not alone in your doubt. 
You're not alone. As a matter of fact, Jesus knew there would be doubt, and Jesus addressed doubt. And the question for this individual, and the question for all of us this morning as we consider the doubt of Thomas is this. Will you allow the testimony that has been presented in the Gospels, and will you allow for the work of Thomas, the sight of Thomas, the touch of Thomas, to speak in to your doubt. Let there be no mistake about it. Jesus wants you to believe in the resurrection. And for Thomas, he did believe, as he would say, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not yet seen and have believed. Friends, if you believe in the resurrection, you have a particular blessing from the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have yet to believe, I wonder if you will, consider Thomas and his doubt. I want you to know your doubt is welcomed here. And the Lord Jesus, where there are questions, he is prepared to answer them. In our third and final episode, we go to this man named Peter. We've seen, we've seen Mary, uh, Mary the mourner. Thomas, the doubter. And thirdly and finally, I want us to see Peter, the failure. Peter, the failure. Look in chapter 21 and verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus uh, stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you ha do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, which, boy, that's awfully modest of him to say. That's John, the writer of this gospel. The, the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards. Now I want to point out this whole episode to you and, and think with you for a few moments about Peter. We were introduced to Peter earlier in the Gospels as a fisherman. And much to our surprise, on that occasion, Peter is not catching anything. As a matter of fact, the dude is never catching anything in the Gospels. Without the divine intervention of Jesus, he was not a successful fisherman. But I cannot help but think about Peter, because on Good Friday, for those of you who are with us, you will remember that Peter personally failed the Lord Jesus Christ at a very crucial moment in Jesus' life. Jesus had just been betrayed by Judas, they had just finished this incredible meal together. And eventually, uh, Peter will deny Jesus three times. And, and what's interesting about Peter is that he was the type of guy who would overpromise and underdeliver. On that night when he was betrayed, he looked Jesus square in the eye and he said to him, You know, I am prepared, I am prepared to go to jail for you. And Jesus, if there's any question, I'm willing to die for you. And it wasn't but a few hours later that Jesus has been arrested. He's been housed in the, uh, in the home of the high priest as a temporary jail. 
And, he, and Peter is outside by a fire, and three people approach him, three different people. And they say, aren't you that guy who was with Jesus? And on three occasions, Peter said, I don't know. And the crescendo increased, and with each and every denial, the rock star of the discipleship band, Peter the Rock, denied Jesus at the most critical moment of Jesus' life. Peter was a sinner. Peter was a debtor. And what we said on Friday is that Peter, uh, Peter was not a good man. That Peter actually was a failure to Jesus. Now that seems awfully harsh, I know. And we're told at the end of what happened on Good Friday that Peter, on the third occasion of denying Jesus, that, that as what, what one commentator called a terrible providence would have it, Jesus and Peter would lock eyes upon the third, uh, upon the third denial. And Peter went home and he did what any one of us would have done. He wept bitterly. He felt like a failure. I wonder if that's how you might feel this morning. At one point you committed to following Jesus, but as life became busier or more complicated, that once strong flame for Christ has now become but an ember and an ash. And when you stop and think about it, you can't really believe how far you've actually fallen, and the guilt is deep. Friend, I want to tell you the good news of a resurrected Savior, that, that the story of Peter is not over. By the grace of God, the story of Peter did not end with failure. As a matter of fact, the story of Peter ends not with failure, but friendship. Not with failure, but restoration. What happens, to, what happens to Peter is once he realizes the Lord is on the shore, he grabs his stuff, he jumps in the water, and he swims as fast as he can towards the resurrected Jesus Christ. And when they all got on dry land, according to John chapter 21, verse 9, Jesus had a, Jesus had a charcoal fire in place, and he said, bring some of the fish you have caught. And so Simon went and got some large fish, and they, uh, and they put it on the fire. And in verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. This is probably the best breakfast that has ever been served in all of human history. Because the Lord Jesus, he not only prepared this meal, he was prepared to look Peter in the eye and tell him he is restored. The resurrected Savior does not leave people in failure. He leads people to restoration. As we consider the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want to remind you that Jesus brings comfort to those who mourn. He brings answers to those who seek. And he brings restoration to those who have fallen. So I, be, I end where I begin. I've got some great news for you this morning. Jesus Christ has resurrected from the dead. And it is no longer Mary the mourner, it is Mary the comforted. It is no longer Thomas the doubter, it is Thomas the assured. It is no longer Peter the, the fallen failure, it is Peter the restored. And there is no other man in under heaven or earth who can bring this type of change other than the resurrected Jesus Christ. And my dear friend, I hope today that you know this resurrected Jesus. Because when you meet this resurrected Jesus, you never leave the same. So as you are mourning, may you feel the comfort. 
As you are doubting, may you find the answers. And if you are falling, fallen, today may you receive his, uh, his restoration. Let's pray together. A gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, undoubtedly there are many in this room this morning who have yet to settle the account as to whether or not they believe you to be the Son of God and the resurrected Savior. I pray this morning that there might be uh, faith in the hearts of all of us. And Lord, I pray for the one who is hurting and mourning. Lord, I pray that you would bring them comfort, that you would be present in all of their sorrows. And for those who are questioning, Lord, I pray that you would bring answers. As they seek to find truth, I pray that they would find you. And Lord, for those who, who are feeling a, a sense of, of, of failure, I pray that they would be restored. Thank you that in Jesus and in his, because of his resurrection, all of these things can be made possible. We pray these things in the strong name of Christ. Amen.